if I'm running ads, stick with images because images are far easier to create and you'll get far more value out of the images you create than the time it takes you to create videos. Welcome back to the My Future Business Show. It's Rick Nusky here. I'm your host. I'm also the luckiest person in the world to be able to host amazing people on the show. And on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming business owner and marketing expert, Robert Brill. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, you and I are going to be talking about how marketing and advertising helps businesses grow and the things business owners need to do to achieve results from their marketing and advertising campaigns. Now, there is certainly a lot to unpack just in that opening <laughs> sentence alone. But uh, first things first, where are you calling in from? Los Angeles. Beautiful. Yes. Now, tell me, what, what, what do you love about the place? Um, I think it's the best place in the world to live. It's got the the weather's great, accessibility to the whole world through LAX, uh, beach and snow and hiking and all the cool things. And it's the, you know, the heart of the entertainment business. And there's lots of industry. And I, I've spent most of my career here and uh, I have great people. The I think the best thing about Los Angeles is, you know, family and friends are here. Yep. And that and that's that's the most important thing. So tell me, did you grow up there or where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up um here in Los Angeles. Yep. Um and I lived in New York for a year and a half when I was I think 26 or 27 somewhere around there. Yep. Now, I tell you, there's obviously when I went to LA there's obviously the tourist destinations, but you go a little yeah. bit on the outskirts, the outer suburbs and you find there's a whole different lifestyle. Tell us what what you know about I guess the outer circle of LA. Yeah, look, I think I think it's just regular people doing big things. I think, you know, in the neighborhood that we're in, um, it's really exciting because we just stumble upon this neighborhood in the valley. And, you know, one of my neighbors just won a, a Grammy for Encanto. Oh, wow. Another one of my neighbors is uh is a is a writing uh duo and they have some shows on television. Um, we have a woman who uh I think works in the aerospace business. Um, people who are like senior executives at, at pretty darn big companies. Yep. And, you know, it's just really interesting because there's nothing particularly um, uh, exotic or luxurious about this neighborhood. It's a good neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Yep. But the caliber of people here are just exceptional. They're all, they're all keeping themselves busy and, and doing really big things. Um, so it's just really cool. We have a, we have a child, a five, a five-year-old boy and, um, oh, you're you know, busy. He, has, <laughs> he has a lot of friends in the neighborhood and that, that makes all the difference, you know, in it now in terms of like, there's like some really great food options. You know, there's a lot of good, um, Mexican and then Central American food. Um, and there, there's no shortage of good food to eat. Out Absolutely. Here in the yeah. No, I remember going to the city of angels and, and I remember going through LAX, going back to that just briefly, how efficient it was. I don't know if that's changed, but I tell you what, when I came there, it's a, it was just a really good experience, you know, flying in. And then before you know it, I was processed, processed. We were picking up our hire car driving from LA to San Francisco. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice airport. I really enjoy it. And, um, you know, having access to some of the lounges is a is a nice win as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, do you do you want to travel? Do you do you have what's your bucket list look like? Do you want to go more outside of the states? What's happening there? You know, um, I, I do. the The most exotic trip I've ever taken was uh, with my 
then girlfriend, now wife. We were we went to Hong Kong, Vietnam, Singapore, and Bali. Um, yeah. Singapore was only for a few days, but it was absolutely glorious. The rest of the those destinations were longer. Yeah, now look. So I'd like to do more China. I'd like to go back to Hong Kong, which was amazing. Uh, I want to hit Africa, Japan. Um, but I think you know, it's it's comfortable and far more um, relaxing to go to places like Hawaii. Oh yeah, so, <laughs> part of the states. Like to go everywhere. <laughs> yeah, now that's wonderful feedback. Now. I know that as a busy business owner, um, you know, finding the time just to give yourself permission to relax may be challenging. Do you give yourself that permission to settle down and just relax occasionally? Um, you know, I, I one of the key things about about this line of work is I, I have freedom, mm. um, and the, it's freedom of time and freedom to choose what I work on, and you know, to a degree, freedom of money, and yeah. um, I. I do what I what I feel passionate about at the moment, and a lot of the times I do feel like working. Um, and it's not because I have to; it's because I know there's something that I need to get out of my brain into a into a computer pretty yeah. darn quickly at the moment when it comes up. Uh, when I rest, I will rest when we're on vacation. Um, so we have a vacation at some point coming up, and uh, I don't have any meetings scheduled for that period of time. <laughs> I'm blocked out and unavailable. Now, I remember growing up and, uh, you know, that was some of the most uh, fantastic um, years. I was uh, surrounded by loving, you know, grandparents and uncles and aunties and the likes. And what was life uh, like growing up for you? You know, modest, middle class. Yep. Um, lived in an apartment and, you know, went to school and, Went to Cal State Northridge for 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 college. Um, life was generally was unremarkable. Yeah, unremarkable, and that's sometimes the best way, isn't it? Hundred <laughs> percent. In those formative years, you know, um, did you have any any people around you, anybody around you that you really connected with that helped you become the person that you've become today? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, definitely my parents early on. Um, I learned work ethic and opportunity and grit from my parents. Um, and in college, I made some really great friends that I'm, I'm still friends with today that, you know, is in my circle of, of trusted peers and advisors. Uh, they're also doing big things in their own, yeah. in their own right. Um, so I really, I really value the, the friends I made in college. Um, in fact, we just went to a wedding in Atlanta and it was all of them plus like 10 or 15 other people who I hadn't seen for a long time. <laughs> It just reminded me how big that group was and how valuable they are um, and important to me in my life. Yeah, people come and go, don't they? They tend to drift in and out of your life, which is sometimes okay. Sometimes you'd want a little bit more of certain people and less of others. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell me a little bit about your day. I know that you, we've talked, touched a little bit about how you're doing something that you love. Therefore, you know, you, you tend to work a lot more than anything else. But do you get up early? Tell us a little bit about how your day unfolds. Yeah, um, I'm typically waking up around anywhere between 7 30 and 8 um especially when i have earlier meetings but i like to get more creative work done in the morning and then more rote monotonous work done in the afternoon uh excluding uh podcast interviews uh we're <laughs> recording now. but like you know it's i like to have a good mixture of different types of work during the day but like i'm there's a certain sort of work that i do routinely and a lot of that is uh getting trying to look for pr opportunities yep. looking at search engine optimization meeting with the team 
and a lot of that happens um, in the at the beginning of the day. You talked about earlier that you've got a young family, um, and yeah. I always think about young families and my own families and how that moment in time happened when I met my my first child. For the very yeah. first moment, I suddenly realized I had a true purpose. What's yeah. your true purpose? Did it give you true purpose? What is it for you? It definitely realigned my 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 hierarchy of of needs and desires. Mm. Um, it it changed the decisions I've made over the years. Not big decisions, but you know, like traveling is fun now, but it's far less interesting if if I'm not with my family. Absolutely. Um, there's a certain part of me that doesn't want to travel when when it's not with the family um but at the end of the day like it's just uh you know it just it does add a lot of meaning it does add a lot of purpose and you know the goal for me is is relatively simple i, I want to go to 40 dodgers games a year uh with my wife and my my child that's excellent that's what i'm looking for i love it absolutely love it now tell me a little bit about your first uh, entrepreneurial experience. I remember mine was washing cars when I was about eleven years old. Can you recall yours? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I've had a few, but I think in high school at one point I was trying to sell. Uh, I'll make PowerPoint presentations for people. Oh wow! Who didn't know how to use PowerPoint? It, I mean, I probably made like a hundred dollars or something. Yeah, cool. Um, at some point in the in college, I uh, I was in a fraternity and. I went in with one of my fraternity brothers. We sold water at an event and we lost like, again, we lost a hundred dollars. <laughs> I basically broke even from high school to college. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was an interesting, interesting set of experiences. Um, when I was in, um, when I was in call, when I graduated from college, I had a friend who uh, was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to do all these different types of entrepreneurial things. And I told my parents like, Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur as well. Yeah. Uh, they're like, but you don't know anything. <laughs> You're graduating from from college. Hello. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, all right, I guess I'm going back back to work, or, or you know, I'd worked throughout college. So, yeah. um, you know, I think, and it was a really valuable insight and experience for me because um, I, I I believe that I didn't really have much to offer. Maybe I could have figured it out. Maybe I wouldn't have. But after spending ten years working in the advertising business. I really had an opportunity to learn the the ins and outs of the advertising business, which made me a far more valuable uh, business owner um, for, for the clients that we that we work with. Thank you for the feedback. Loving this call. Now you touched on learning. Is it lifelong for you? Do you continue to learn? And how important is it for for you? I think I think learning is about is about experiences and about learning oneself. I think that's very important. Mm. You know, people often want jobs that or want experiences that are misaligned with what they actually they want the outcome but they don't want the experience in other words yeah you know i want to make a lot of money but you don't want to you know most people don't want to do the jobs that pay them a lot of money <laughs> yeah absolutely because they're hard they're hard jobs that maybe maybe don't miss that maybe are not aligned with the thing that they're best at and I've certainly taken a job here and there for the money and realized I didn't like it. And I was warned, you're probably not going to like this job, but I, <laughs> I, I went there for the money. And I think as I've gotten older, it's really about understanding the nuances of what you're trying to accomplish, understanding who you are, and understanding what best aligns with with who you are and what you're trying to accomplish ultimately. And, and it 
it sounds easy to say when you're in a position of power, but I think the more people can do that, the more they can find the happiness for them. And that's going to be critical. I wonder when I have these sorts of conversations, because there are so many startup entrepreneurs that listen into the show as, as, as well as existing business owners, um, I wonder about mindset because sometimes I, I roll out of bed and wish I could just pull the covers over my head. Do you get those days? And what would you say to somebody who is struggling? What do you do to get past that? Yeah, uh, I do. I do. I, I had one of those days on Saturday, actually. So first <laughs> of all, it's better if it happens on a weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what I'll say is that, you know, the the thing that keeps you going is your mindset. And yeah. that's, you know, it's okay to have off days. Like, we all have off days. We all do work that we don't really want to do. But it's how you respond to the off days that helps you become successful. Yeah. It's it's not about getting punched, you know, figuratively speaking. It's not about getting punched in the face. It's about what you do afterwards that makes the that makes a difference and, and how you get up and whether or not you fight back and whether or not you succeed. So on tactically, what I do on days where I'm just not feeling feeling good is number one, I give my per, myself permission to like if I just don't want to do it, I won't do it. I never have those days where I just don't work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always passionate and engaged and raring to go but i tell i tell myself i can just go see a movie today if i want to and i never do i there before <laughs> covid before covid i would joke with my wife all right i'm gonna go see a movie or i'm gonna go by myself to some hip-hop concert that you know my wife isn't interested in, but i am <laughs> and it's like she knows i'm never gonna do it and she encourages me to actually go do it like robert you've been telling me you you want to see a movie in theaters for like three weeks now go actually do it, it. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, when I when I when I when I have a tough day or or when I in the morning when I have a tough day, I just say, look, I'm gonna do 20 minutes of something. I'm gonna do whatever I want to do that pushes the ball forward that that I can chunk out and say, look, I'm gonna do 20 minutes of PR work and tr to try to get quotes in the press or something. And after that, I'll just do something else. And once my brain fires up and the gears start turning, that 20 minutes turns into 40 and turns into an hour. And I'm, I'm, I've been primed to do good work because I gave myself the grace to not do anything if I don't want to. So yeah. on those days that are tough, give yourself grace to just not do anything and do what feels right. Isn't it wonderful to have that level of control? 100%. And, you know, then there are trends, right? The trends over time are what what are the trends what are the things you i routinely don't want to do that i could outsource to someone else like for example i just today put in the job offer for my very first search engine optimization specialist oh for our business to do seo exclusively for us fantastic it's work i've been doing for three four months yep and it's like someone else can do this and i'm going to train them they're going to do great work and that'll be it so at some point understanding the patterns in the business or the patterns in the life that need to be optimized is always a good way of looking at why don't you want to do the work? Why do I feel uninspired by the work? And if you can outsource it, especially for someone um, who has maybe higher value tasks and you can outsource it to someone who has lower, you know, lower value tasks, have them do it, yeah. hire someone. And it'll be a great way to expand what you're able to do in a meaningful way. It's great feedback. So many people on this call will be getting so much value from this. Thank you very much, Robert. Now, 
Tell me, out of all of the things that you you do, what's one thing that you do the best? You've just touched on SEO, for example. Is there one yeah. skill set that you have that stands out above all others? Um, business and marketing strategy is is where I shine. Mm -hmm. um, I think followed closely by building agencies. Yeah. Um, and and those two are interconnected. I, when I look back at the the companies, I so our business, we're a white label media buying firm. That means we partner up with agencies. They do creative work or strategy work or whatever. And it could be a one person shop or it could be a 200 person shop. And they need ads to run on Facebook and TikTok and Google and Hulu and everything else. Yeah. So our job is to put the strategy together and then activate it. So, in you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. At the 10 year mark is when I started my business. I knew how to be an ad buyer. I knew how to run ads. Now yeah. we have really smart, talented, exceptional people doing that on our team. Now my job is to set the strategy and help businesses grow at the macro level, at the at the highest levels. And so when I look back at where I find my most my biggest levels of joy, it's from building agencies. When yeah. I look at our partners, it's the people who I worked with who didn't have an agency, got inspired, they started an agency, and now they're giving us more business than ever in a really meaningful way, in a way that's that that fits their passion points as well. And so I really get a kick out of talking to early stage agency owners and 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 longer, you know, other agency owners who have been in the business longer. Yeah. We've actually created a um, an agency acceleration program because I just really enjoy doing this. I really enjoy talking about how PR and SEO and social media and paid media all work together so that my, my goal has always been, I want people to have the freedom that I have. I don't want to ask people for time off and yes. we're very free with time off, right? Like we're, it's very rare that we, I don't think we've ever said, no, you can't have time off. It's it's always just a matter of like, look, you have a family, you want to you want to spend a few hours with your child. Sure, you want to pick them up from school. Absolutely, you just do do the right work. And I want I want people who have been in, in the sales business for twenty years or who are twenty three and just starting out. I want them to have access to the knowledge and insights that I have, yep. so they can grow their businesses and be as free as I am. I love the fact that you have a people first attitude. At the end of the day. It's almost as if the results of um, your campaigns and for your for your clients is a byproduct of the relationships that you're having with them. Tell us a little bit about the importance of relationships. Yeah, I mean, our business grew because of my network. Yeah. Um, you know, when I started this business, there's kind of like three levels of entrepreneurship I've I've learned. There's the practitioner work. You know how to do something, whether you're a plumber or a programmatic media buyer or whatever the case is. Like you, you just are an expert in one thing. The next level of entrepreneurship is growing teams or being being a, being a manager and being able to inspire and motivate teams. And then the last place is growing the business. And those all work when you know the other two levels really well. I didn't know how to sell when I started on this adventure. Um, and so I grew because of partnerships, hence our model, white label media buying for agencies. I'm an entrepreneur. So I, I knew how to be an entrepreneur from prior job experiences where we build systems and teams and operations processes as a way of integrating with other businesses on the marketing and advertising side. So the, 
the way that we've been able to grow is by companies who had worked with us or with me in the past, former chief chief executive officers, people I'd done consulting work with. Yeah. You know, people came out of the woodwork and recommended clients from like people I'd worked with like 15, 17 years ago. And all of these are based on trust, doing good work, being a person that can be relied upon to get things done. And that's how you build a network over time. The pro is that those relationships are important and everything is built on trust and our business is built on trust. The The downside to that is it's hard to manufacture that. You can't create those levels of trust and um, exper shared experiences easily. So, um, but yeah, I've, I've run my business off of the back of relationships for many years now. You can't artificially manufacture those strong relationships. That's for sure and certain. Loving the feedback. Thank you so very much. Now, I know you touched on the uh, Brill Media team a little bit, but I'd love to bring them to the fore. Tell us about the team. Yeah, I mean, we have a an excellent chief uh, operations officer followed by a uh, director of media, an accounts director, really just a team of people who are very experienced. You know, a lot of agencies will hire people with very little or no experience to run campaigns. And of course they fail because you can get all the certificates and coaching as you like, but at the end of the day, experience is what matters. Mm -hmm. And so our team is powered by very experienced um, individuals. That's number one. Number two, it's redundancy. We don't have people off in a corner doing things that are just yep. high in the sky. Yep. We have peer review systems. We have supervisory review systems. And then we have the account managers looking for overall performance on a campaign. Yeah, so there's lots going on. Right? So you don't have, you're never, you're never worried about one person going rogue and, and doing something ridiculous. And yeah. then number three, our systems work because we have strong standard operating procedures. People know when their job stops and when it starts. And as a result, our people stay with us longer because they're happier with their work. They're more fulfilled because they know they're succeeding because they know how to succeed, mm -hmm. which then means we have internal knowledge and insights that are developed. They're passed down and shared amongst the team. And then clients become happier because we're doing better with our overall work and at the at the end of the day our business can thrive because we have great people doing great work for our clients and i can focus on bringing in new business and uh, developing our our sales apparatus so there's an extension to this conversation robert is the values vision and mission of the business it seems to me that you can only deliver great customer service and satisfaction through that alignment how do you go about that yeah, I mean, I think I think we actually need to do better at that, just in mm. full transparency. Um, I think the we team knows yeah. <laughs> I think I think the team knows what they're trying to accomplish. I think um I haven't been I haven't done as well to articulate the vision and the mission for the business as um as I think I've frankly done in in, in shows and in, in PR <laughs> content that I write. <laughs> yep. Um and that's actually one of the processes we're working through right now. We're, you know, standard operating procedures have been such a massive unlock of growth for our business that in order to unlock the next level of growth, I'm looking for a revamp of our standard operating procedures. Not yep. to take away what's working, but to make it more refined and to have different, almost uh, different systems that can be added and visualize systems so that we can, for example, grow our sales team. You know, simply hiring out a search engine, uh, an SEO specialist 
can it can only happen when I can give them very sp specific rules on what I want them or, or instructions on what I want them to do. Yeah, and they will succeed if they have KPIs and metrics to succeed. Now, as an organization, I don't think we have the KPIs and business goals in place as much as we would like. But by the middle of this year, uh, we will absolutely have that because it's just important to get everyone aligned. But we've done exceptionally well for not having any of that in place, frankly. No, look, I, I think you absolutely have. You know, that ethos of continuous improvement, incremental improvement, that's really what you're talking about. And you know what? The imperfection within your business is what, to me, makes it perfect because there are good people in the organisation doing what they can with the resources that they have available. Now, tell me, when you bring on a new client, I guess first there's two-part question. Uh, who is your ideal client and what is the process when they come on board to identify their, I guess, their hot needs? Yeah. So um, our ideal clients, we have a, we have kind of like three segments. Um, agencies are going to be number one agencies with anywhere from a few people to hundreds of people who have anywhere from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to spend in advertising monthly. Um, typically, they're going to be creative shops or strategy firms or social media marketing companies that know or even Amazon marketers, any company that understands the value of paid media, but knows how hard it is, but also knows that they can earn money on top of it if they have the right partner. That's ideal for us. We also work with businesses and, mm -hmm. you know, we will generally come across smaller businesses. So on the low end. $1,500 a month in, in advertising, yeah. um, in advertising spend. And then we have our, you know, agency accelerator program, which is going to be anyone who's ever done sales of any capacity that wants to get into the agency world, certainly inclusive of people who have sold marketing and advertising services. Yeah. I get a lot of those people that I'm connected with that just don't want to deal with the rigmarole of, of corporate life anymore and want to do their own thing but just, just can't make that leap from having a lot of knowledge but not having an agency to actually being creating the freedom for themselves that they're looking for. And it's also for people out of college or anyone, any younger entrepreneurs who, who are just passionate about agency life and want to get into this world. Um, and when agencies work with us, whether it's agencies or businesses, most people come to us and have a call with me. Yeah. Um, and on that call, we have a conversation about their needs, what they're what they're looking to accomplish, their financial goals, et cetera, uh, the types of clients they're running. And usually that turns into a proposal request. And we put the, our team puts together a proposal and we set it up so that, you know, um, things can, you know, contracts can be signed and we can get right on to do the work. Yeah. And every every client uh, who's running advertising with us gets a um, a, a senior account manager. Uh, someone who's an advocate for their business. But it all starts with a sales call with us so we can assess how we can help you and whether our services are what you need. There's there's plenty of times when we talk to mostly newer agencies or newer businesses where we say, look, you're not even a, in a position to advertise. You should actually not advertise because it's not the way you should spend your money. And then At we'll the um, refer them to partners or give them strategies that they can deploy that will be actually more beneficial for them again great feedback now i'm wondering you know when 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 you do engage somebody in that contract sign and you have a working commercial agreement with that business that new agency whoever it is tell me what will make marketing and advertising effective with that particular client what are the kpis is it time is it return on investment what is it 
Well, there, there's different KPIs. There's KPIs for the agency yep. and there's KPIs for their clients. So let's talk about the agency. The KPIs for the agency have to be some sort of revenue number, some sort of time savings, and some sort of ability to create um, tighter client or closer client relationships. Those are the key value value drivers for our business, for agencies. You can make money while not having to hire you know, a million dollars a year team to handle to earn that money. So there's there's zero revenue costs to earn money, and you can package up your the services you do the best that are in your zone of genius with media buying. So your age your the agency's clients become create a there's a closer relationship between the agency and their client because they offer now more services. For the advertiser, um, typically we're looking at. You know, the the way we drive success for the end advertiser, which is always a must, is you start with a strategy. Who do you want to reach? What is the value value um, value proposition for their end customer? Yeah. Um, what are the economics? Like how much are customers spending? What is your customer acquisition cost? What is the transformative value that the business brings to the customer? How do we identify the intricacies of the customer so we know when we're talking to them and then um, look at past marketing efforts what have you done well what what don't you have well and we look at things like assets available do you have videos do you have images where are you with all this with this rigmarole here and then pair all that information with our knowledge of driving success on a campaign like for example in 2024 40 um 45 percent of all digital advertising dollars will be delivered on Meta and Google. So chances are you're going to run ads on Meta and Google. Mm. How do they work together? Because by the way, one of the early mistakes a lot of advertisers make is they think Meta needs to compete with Google for ad dollars. They need to work together yeah. to grow a business. They're the instruments in an orchestra that creates the symphony. So it's about educating clients on what works and what doesn't. Another thing to, to understand is like, the, the trend in advertising right now is that platforms are going black box. The targeting mechanisms inside platforms like Google and Meta um, are becoming less and less effective. What is becoming far more effective is algorithmic targeting. So on Meta, that means broad targeting, age, gender, and location, and not yeah. doing keyword or interest lookalike or uh, remarketing. On Google, there's Performance Max, which is kind of a similar thing where ads run on a number of places, including on Gmail. Now, just a caveat before anyone listening to this come, comes after me for the for that last <laughs> comment. Very granular keyword targeting still works exceptionally well. So I'm I'm not I'm ex, I'm not ex saying that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. But even the way the ads are created, you're creating 15 different headlines and four descriptions that get dynamically inserted together. Um, in in custom combinations that Google thinks is going to drive performance, so we're seeing this trend towards a lot more of um, algorithmic decisioning and less granularity and targeting. But the results are becoming far better, and it's that's the right way to grow ad accounts. Yeah, great feedback. I just when you said algorithmic, I always think about machine learning. Therefore, I always think about AI. What yeah. is what part is that playing? in today's um, marketing and advertising world? 
if you're advertising on Meta, you're you're the beneficiary of AI and machine learning. Yeah. But how that happens and the intricacies of that, you know, people far smarter than me and people who work at Meta know the intricacies of that. But fundamentally, the output, the the result of that is ads on Meta are routed to the right person based on the content of the ads. Yep. And that's why broad targeting works. That's why we can target 140 million people in the United States and still reach the right 20 to 40,000 agency owners that exist in the United States. Incredible. Now, AI in other parts of marketing and advertising, incredibly valuable as well. Like, AI, my opinion is that AI for most businesses should be looked at as an accelerator of research and, and a reduction of a, a, a way to reduce time to um to go to market yeah what i mean by that is you know you can routinely use chat gpt with the goal of ensuring that you you write better copy or you do research or you create an outline for an article what you should not do is copy and paste the output of chat gpt or any other ai and put it into a web page or put it into an email because number one people can pick up on ai written content and number two, more importantly, Google will pick up on AI written content and deprioritize the page or the site that does that routinely. So the way we use AI, for example, for SEO mm. is we research with ChatGPT for like two minutes. So we ask questions that will give us an outline rather than spending 20 to 40 minutes across the web researching it manually. And then we create an outline of content and then manually write our own ideas that are based off of a general outline that chat GPT spit out. Yeah. That's incredible, isn't it? So I, I, I really, you know, I think there's a, there's a level of disintermediation. Um, companies could rely on money and cachet to grow businesses because if you have more money, you can hire more talented people. Of course. But that gets disintermediated. Any, Av person of average intelligence can and utilize chat GPT to do the same thing that two years ago I would have taken three people to do that are highly paid. Yes. And you can create that output and compete with the largest brands in the world in a way that is meaningful to drive success for your business. There you go. There is a spot for it, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it seems to me that you're suggesting you're going to need that human touch. You're going to need that, um, you know, overseeing process um, when you're considering the use of that sort of technology. Now, when I think about platforms, which we've touched briefly on, I also think about formats of promotions. Is there a preferred option? Meaning is it uh, is audio working better than video at the moment or should it be a combination? How do you know? So I'm I'm an advocate for video first where it's accessible. Yeah. So the the challenge with video is it's hard, it's multidimensional and it it takes a lot of time. Um so if I so there's different places where where my my advocacy goes in terms of this question. If I'm running ads, stick with images. Because images are far easier to create and you'll get far more value out of the images you create than the time it takes you to create videos. You can create 10 or 20 or 100 different images in the in the time it might take you to create like three videos. Yes. So focus on volume of images that meet your minimum level of quality. That minimum level of quality can be sufficiently high 
but focus on volume as long as the quality is there. For social content, however, I think video is the way to go. And the reason for that is it's so easy now to create content with a camera, an iPhone, um, and push it directly into your computer or just edit it directly in the iPhone. So it's far easier to be a talking head saying interesting things that will capture people's attention for social media. Yeah. The reason why social media is better for video also is because you're not putting, you're not amplifying it with paid media until you find your best videos. So, you know, when you post on TikTok, because we our primary platform is TikTok, even though we're B2B. Yeah, yeah. We post on TikTok and then amplify to LinkedIn, X, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We focus on TikTok because it's the place where people go to consume content and we can be in their primetime programming whenever they view content. So when I create content for TikTok, 97% of them will do very low view count. But the small 3% that do very far more view count, those are the ones that have the potential to be amplified with advertising uh, to our that. audience. Yeah, fantastic. So that's a way of curating your best content easily and over time as you get better at it. So if you're in a hurry, create images. images if you have first. time, yep. If you have time and, and use your use those images because they do really well on like meta advertising, for example, <laughs> and certainly banner ads. And if you have time on social media, a year or two to create content every day, focus on video. Yeah, there's so many things that we could discuss and you know, uh coming to the pointy end of the call. I know that it must be um, very rewarding to see um, the smiles on people's faces, on your clients' faces. How does it make you feel when you get results for your clients? Um, it feels great. Um, but I, I will say that our, our, I'm not in those conversations because it's our team doing that. It's, our, it's, right. it's, it's a reflection of the team and the systems we've built and the passion and engagement of our team. I mean, the excitement for me is when business owners uh, – are getting more revenue and they're happy with the results from the overall business relationship. That is what I find particularly um, interesting. And I also, I also love just getting together with agency owners because, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a kind of a thankless business. Yeah. In our business, the thank you is never said as a thank you. It's usually said as here's a renewal uh, or we have another proposal. Yep. Right, because everyone thinks it's their idea, and we're just the we're just the hands that are doing it, and they're the thinkers, which is fine. I'm 100 percent okay fine. with that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the but the thank you comes when they want to, you know, have a chat because I have some good ideas, and they want to learn more, or they have renewals for us. Those are the moments when when I know that you may not be saying, uh, you know, we do have clients who are very who are very robust about how they how they say thank you. But far more often, it's just here's a renewal. We did good. Let's do more of it. You need and to read great. the science. I guess you guys have uh, learned to read the science, which is a which is a really good thing. And uh, you're doing some incredible things now. Tell me, um, you know, when somebody is looking for you and uh, you know they want to learn more and they want to connect with either you or your team, what's the process? How do they go about it? Where they're going to find you? Yeah. So my email is Robert at BrillMedia.co. Um, our website is uh, brillmedia.co, B as in boy, R-I-L-L, media.co. There's a start now button. You can set a time to talk with me. 
and we'll have a strategy conversation. That's the best way to get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the feedback. Now, anybody who's listening to today's call, you can probably tell already, despite how much you may not know about this sort of work, that there's uh, that this uh, bucket goes deep. There's a lot more to understand. But uh, if you're excited about what you've heard and you want to read, reach out, I'll be making sure that uh, the links back to Brill Media are available below this post. No matter where you see it, you're going to get those links back to Robert and his wonderful team. With that all being said, Robert, Great call. Thank you so very much for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Rick.